You do the intro this time. I'm sick of it. I've had enough. Okay, hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Tennis Podcast. I'm your sidekick host, Brandon. With me, as always, is Nick. Wow, well, now I just remembered why we never let you do the intro. Why? What was wrong with that? It just, there was no pizzazz, there was no showmanship. <laughs> sure, show me, okay, show me some showmanship. This is Nick, this is the Tennis Podcast, this is 100 episode 4 and fucking spooktober 2020 and this is the show where we bring a top 10 list one of us does and the other one tries to guess what's on that list yeah did you take notes on that yeah this is not a 10 list this week this is a seven list well i'm ready to have my mind blown with this list because i need it i need a pick me up tonight what do you got for me (laughs) well i'm glad you said pick me up because for what i think is our last entry in uh this year's spooktober we're going to talk about The states with the most serial killers. The states with the most serial killers. Okay. All right. I'll bet I can do this. This is using the FBI's data. It's a combination of the uh, number of serial killings per capita and then the state totals as well. Okay. The US has more serial killers of any country with more than 2,700 cases. Oh my God. You know who, what country is in second place? It's Russia, isn't it? No, it's England. England is in Mm. second place, USA first place 2,700, guess how many confirmed serial killer cases there are in second place England. Oh, I've seen this before because I I think I mentioned this on my UK serial killers episode. I want to say it's like not even a tenth, right? Yeah, it's 145. Yeah. It's like 5%. It's the same with school shootings, man. And every other thing that fucking sucks, America excels at. We kick ass at it. (laughs) Well, today I have the top seven states with the most serial killers and I chose seven because this is a combination of a few different lists that rank them in different ways, but I left out the ones where it became uh, repetitive. I I whittled it down to a hot, sweet seven. Yep. Hot, sweet seven. Okay. The most serial killers in American history, yeah? Since like 1900 and, and since. So, let's repeat that stat though because I think it's, it's, pun- it's uh, poignant or is that the right word? Whatever. It's 2,700 something serial killers in American history and 144 in the second most country of the United Kingdom. Brandon, do you have any theory or prepared research on why that might be? Well, there's more space here okay. which is the key uh, we'll find uh, here tonight is access to rural or isolated areas. Uh, makes it easy to hide your your boo-boos, hmm. your oopsies. Yeah. And a lot of other places in the world have uh, higher population density or they don't have access to the kind of isolated areas that most in America have access to. Yeah. Oh, in addition to all the violence. Yeah. And Pepe like Pew cartoons. Remember we talked about that? Oh, to encourage How like, Pepe, sexual like... deviancy, sexual assault. Yeah. It like subconsciously implanted the, uh, oh, I guess this skunk can do it. Why can't I? Yeah, I'll just go. Gene into America's youth. Yeah, no means keep trying. (laughs) No means she's playing hard to get. Right. American men, they're the best. I'm sure you don't have this offhand, but I'll bet you would agree with me that 9 out of 10, maybe more than that, of probably 99.9 out of 100 serial killers are men. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And not only are they men, if you're a serial killer, it's usually because it's for sexual uh, gratification, right? The yeah, only killing and coming. Yeah, everyone yeah. we're talking about tonight here pretty much has uh, the sex is wrapped right up in it. In fact, I don't think there's yep. anyone that we're going to discuss here. Uh, there's at least one person tonight for which sex was not a part of their part of their killing. But as we'll find out, there's another big difference in this killer too. Okay. So, why don't you quit beating around the bush and start making Whoa. some guesses? I'm going to weed some states out first. I don't think there's a lot of serial killer activity in Hawaii. No, it's actually the safest state for serial killers. But, you know, there's a lot of space in Hawaii too. So, that goes against kind of your, your theory there. At the yeah, beginning. those teeny tiny islands that are, yeah, tons of space. Mm. Okay, asshole. Uh, I'm going to say that there's definitely been serial killers in Alaska. I can name a few, but Alaska still probably got to be not in the top seven. You 
always bitch at me for this, you magnificent bastard. No fucking way it's number one. Yeah, There's Alaska, no way. Alaska is number one because it has the highest number of serial killings per capita. Alaska is number one on the list. It has 15.5 serial killings per 1 million inhabitants. They actually don't have a total million inhabitants in Alaska. Alaska has about 735,000 residents, which is around the same size as the city we live in, Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's how many residents there are in the entire state of Alaska. And everyone in the entire state of Alaska is listening right now. So, hello, Alaska people. So, there are 51 serial murders between 1900 and 2014 in Alaska. More than half of those occurred during the 1980s. The 1980s mm. was the like serial killer decade. It was yeah. If the 80s is known for anything other than John Hughes movies and new wave music and Michael Jackson and Ronald Reagan should also be known as the serial killer decade. And Alaska led the nation in serial killer murders in the 1980s. They were the top of the top. Top of the top. Now, Alaska is a hot spot for serial killers for many reasons. A lot of them are environmental, like the extended winter nights have a profound psychological impact. Uh -huh. There's also lots of darkness for cover. And the logging and construction industries attract a lot of lonely men, which in turn okay. attract a lot of sex workers. So, I don't know why you got to fucking roast uh, all the truckers and loggers out there listening, but... How am I... Uh, okay. What's the roast? You say they're lonely and they're going to be serial killers. It just attracts a lot of men. There's like nine men to every one woman in Alaska or something like that. I love truckers that are listening. I so. bet you do. Okay. Well, those are all compelling reasons. I believe it. That right. Alaska... Yeah. And they have the 30 days of night thing, right? I don't think, no, there's no place that has 30 straight days of night. Well, that's prime serial killer time if it is. In some areas in northern Alaska, they have about two months. I guess that would okay. be 30 days a night. Yeah. That'd be more than 30. Motherfucker. Okay, so, let's so listen. Uh, wait, let, no, no, no. We got to stop here and you need to apologize to me. No, I don't do that. Alaska has one of the highest rates of violent crime overall in the country. About twice as many violent crimes per capita as any other state. They're just going nutso on each other out there. Yeah. And another environmental factor that makes it very easy, very tempting to become a serial mm. killer in Alaska is that at least 75 Alaskan villages have no law enforcement at all. They rely on Alaska state troopers who may take hours to respond to a call. Well, you know, a law enforcement, well, I don't know. Like some way of dealing with crime is like one of the first things a new, a, any community should establish. Yeah, yeah, even in the old west, wasn't the one of the first, like every town had, at least in, in you know, where I did all my western research mm -hmm. and movies, every town had a mayor and a sheriff. Yeah. It was one of the first things you did. If you didn't have a sheriff, you at least had a marshal that would like come around once in a while. So, we're going to put, we're going to pin this on them, right? On these towns? We're going to pin it on, yeah, everyone who just, yeah, the people who lived in a village that was remote. <laughs> and you haven't even mentioned the most important element of Alaska that breeds serial killers yet. What's that? It's fucking cold. And they just get upset about it? Yeah. Don't you get cranky when you get cold? I think they uh, Well, heat. I know you do, but it's because of the, the arthritis in your old bones. But the average person- You would think yeah. heat would get people, you know- we get you hot for murder. Yeah, but then you just get too tired to do anything. Although, but you're right, heat is another big one, but we're not talking about heat right now, we're talking about cold. We're talking about Alaska. There's other hot places later that I'll guess. Okay. Israel Keys is probably mm -hmm. one of the most recently famous and well-known serial killers that operated in Alaska. Yeah, he's the first one I thought of. But how about one you maybe didn't think of? Do you know about Robert Hansen, the butcher baker? I've definitely heard that name, but no, I don't know the, the, his story at all. Well, this guy was a real piece of work. Mm. Between 1971 and 1983, Hansen abducted, raped, and murdered, uh-oh, at least 17 women mm. in and around Anchorage, Alaska. Can't do that. He hunted many of them down in the wilderness. He used a Ruger Mini-14 and a knife. 
he was arrested and convicted in 1983 and sentenced to 461 years and a life sentence without the possibility of parole. Seems like overkill, but maybe he'll live a really long time. Maybe. Okay, so Robert Hansen was born in 1939 and grew up in Iowa. He became a baker, just like his Danish immigrant father. That's great. And they later moved to Alaska. He was skinny and shy with a stutter and severe acne. He had those horn-rimmed glasses. He looked like a human version of Milhouse from The Simpsons. I got to look him up. And he was described as a quiet loner. In 1960, Hansen burned down a county board of education school bus garage. It was revenge for his unpopularity at school. Uh, during the, the subsequent 20 months of incarceration, his wife filed for divorce and he was diagnosed as bipolar with periodic schizophrenic episodes. Uh, and a doctor said he was obsessed with getting the, back at those who had wronged him. He then began killing around 1972. And what this guy did was he picked up a prostitute in his car, forced her at gunpoint into his cabin. And he would torture and rape her. So, already being kind a of an, an asshole. A bit kind of an yeah. ass. And he would fly her out to a secluded area to hunt her like wild game before shooting and stabbing her. God damn. Well, there was another killer that did that, right? I don't know. This is the only one I could remember. Although, I do seem to remember the, uh, someone who would hunt people with a bow and arrow. But Yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking of. I don't think it. he used a bow and arrow. Okay. FBI Special Agent John Douglas. Do you recognize that name? He was the criminal profile pioneer who wrote uh, the book Mindhunter that inspired the show. Okay, yeah. This guy, FBI agent John Douglas, thought the killer would be an experienced hunter with low self-esteem, have a history of being rejected by women, and would feel compelled to keep souvenirs of his murders, such as a victim's jewelry. He also suggested the assailant might stutter. I don't know how he could get that, but it's amazing. Yeah, I... Using that profile, Alaska State Trooper Detective Glenn Floth investigated possible suspects until he reached Hansen, who fit the profile and owned a plane. Isn't that nuts? Like, after this guy, like, he forces you to, you know, in his home at gunpoint, his cabin, and assaults you and tortures you, and then he forces you in an airplane and starts flying you somewhere. Yeah, what the fuck? Well, yeah, and you, you've got to be like tied up at that point, right? On the plane? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Upon searching Hansen's home, authorities found a map with X's on locations that matched the locations of bodies that they had discovered and many yet unexplored locations. Hansen is known to have raped and assaulted over 30 women, murdered at least 17, ranging in ages from 16 to 41. Oh, he's not, he didn't make the end of his sentence. He died in prison in 2014 at age 75 of natural causes. You know, while you're going there, I realized, you know, we probably should have given a trigger warning at the beginning of this episode. That's going to get fucking brutal, right? Well, I did say serial killers. Yeah, I guess, yeah. There you go, Alaska. Robert Hansen, fuck him. And you've been to Alaska, Brandon? No. I'd like to go, Neither, but... but I'd, I'd like to go. This probably wasn't the best postcard for it. No, this, uh, yeah. Well, I did not think Alaska would be in the top seven. My guess for number one mm-hmm. is now my guess for number two. I'll save it. I'm going to guess this state is three or four and that's Washington. Washington state is number five on the list. I knew it. And I think a lot of the things you said about Alaska could also apply to Washington as in like it's a, you know, it's known for being a depressing place. It has the highest suicide rate either in the world or at least America. It's cloudy. The sun's not out a lot. It's rainy. It's got tons of prostitutes. Yeah, that too. There's 277 known serial killings that took place in Washington state with 95 individual serial cases. This includes several notorious serial killers in Washington state like Robert Lee Yates who murdered at least 16 women in Spokane and Ted Bundy. Uh He began killing in 1971 in Washington in his hometown of Seattle. Uh, You also have the Green River Killer. And that is who we're going to talk about next, the Green River Killer. What's his, what's his, Uh, uh, we know his superhero name. What's his, uh, (laughs) what's his human identity? 
Fuck, no, no, I know it. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. It's, it's a really... Uh, Gary, Gary Ridgway. Really hot guy's name, yeah, Gary Ridgway. It's the most boring-ass name. I always forget about him. He's like, uh, this is going to sound bad, but like, for those of us interested in serial killers, Gary Ridgway has always been one of the more boring ones to me. Part of it is that he's he's not very charismatic. He's got an IQ in the low 80s. He's a bit of a doy-doy. Yeah. Hell of an ass, though. He also was, what do you call him, uh, an evangelistic Christian. He was like a hardcore Christian who wouldn't shut up about the Lord all the time, mm-hmm. but also visited prostitutes and murdered them. Loved prostitutes. Yeah, you got to watch out for those types of people. This doy-doy Gary was one of the most prolific serial killers in American history, proving, you know, the, the archetype of a serial killer is this like very smart but very tortured, deviant guy. Yeah. Maybe looks a little creepy, but, you know, passes in normal society. But didn't he have a stable family life uh, as, as an adult? I mean, like wife and kids. And he had like a, he was a member of society, right? I think so. He was like a mechanic or something. Yeah. He's not, I guess what I was trying to say is he's not clever. Uh, it's not like he was, I don't know, he wasn't doing anything super clever. He just happened to, to do a lot of it to uh, sex workers who... I guess weren't as... Yeah, they're the less dead as, yeah. as has been said. And what that means is, I mean, it's kind of obvious, I guess, but sex workers are not going to be investigated as much as like a, you know, a blonde, young, white housewife. No, for, on account of they're not paying one any of taxes. many examples. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, so, he yeah. got his nickname, the Green River Killer, after many of his victims were discovered along Washington's famous Green River. Most of his victims were young, vulnerable women, many of them being sex workers who Ridgway had hired for sex, not to like paint a fence. His preferred method of killing was strangulation, after which he would dump the bodies in wooded areas or in the river itself. And I guess it says he would often return to have sex with them, which I knew, but I guess he's only returning to have sex with the ones in the woods, not the ones in the river. And the way that sounds, like if you hear that sentence out of context, he returned to have sex with them. It sounds like a rambling man who rambles back into town and is like, hey, right. Sally, I'm back to uh, show you that love you've been missing. But no, yeah, it sounds like the lady is there waiting and that's not the case. These are dead people. No, that's necrophilia. <laughs> it's a different kind of rambling man. But, you know, Washington is a place like Alaska as well that has so much space and wooded... Too many trees. To trees and wooded areas that are perfect for hiding and having sex with dead bodies, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm just trying to think like... What are you trying to think, Brandon? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm having a hard time identifying with these serial killers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. despite being a Forrest Gump-like guy, uh, Ridgway managed to evade capture for almost 20 years after his first murder. He was eventually arrested in 2001. After he was identified as a suspect in the Green River killings, DNA evidence finally cemented his guilt. And in order to escape the death penalty, Ridgway accepted a plea bargain confessing to 48 killings for which he received 48 consecutive life sentences. Didn't he like bullshit some of those though? Yeah, I don't think there's 48 confirmed. I don't think there's 48 bodies to go with those That's what you get when you ask a gump to start a confessing gump, to stuff. Wasn't, isn't it him that like, no, there was some guy, some serial killer who was confessing to stuff just because he would like. Henry Lee Lucas. Yeah, he was getting treats and stuff, right? He was the, Henry Lee Lucas was the confession killer. He would, He's like, he was treated like a celebrity. Enough, like, yeah. didn't you kill someone down in, uh, in Pismo, Pismo Beach? And he's like, yeah, isn't there a fucking in and out down there? Let's swing by. <laughs> Watch the confession killer on Netflix. Yeah, so Gary Ridgway, real dickhead, huh? A bit of an idiot. That was number five, Washington. Washington has its, its great qualities as well. Let's not smear Washington. It's one of my favorite states. No, it's not all serial killers. No, but there's a lot of them there. The number six or seven as New York State. New York State is not in the top seven. Well, you're wrong. Okay. Let's go with three or four is Florida. Florida is number three. Knew it. In the states with the most serial killers. 
is 9.92 serial murders per million inhabitants in the state of Florida. Is Florida that's a lot? Is Florida the Sunshine State? Is that California? No, that's Florida. Uh, California is the Golden State. Yep, Golden State Warriors. All right. Total number of serial killers committed in the state of Florida, 778, 247 of those murders taking place during the 1980s. Welcome to the Sunshine State. Now, Ted Bundy, we already mentioned him just a minute ago in Washington State. Well, he's also famous for murders in Florida. That's where he murdered the Florida State co-eds. That's also where he got the chair. (sighs) That's where, that's the uh, famous... A uh, bite mark victim was Florida, right? Yeah. Uh, it's also home to Eileen Wernos, famous female serial oh. killer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are you familiar with the Gainesville Ripper? I think I might have even mentioned him on here before. Well, what's his name? His name's Danny Rowling. He murdered okay. five students during a burglary and robbery spree in Gainesville in August 1990. He mutilated his victims' bodies decapitating one and then he posed them sometimes using mirrors Mm. that's not the one bad we're concentrating on today we're talking about another female serial killer and this is the one i mentioned earlier the rare one that did not have seem to doesn't seem to have anything sexual wrapped up in her serial killing this is the killer babysitter christine falling okay i don't know this her deal so, you're going to fill me so in? Yeah, here. I'm going to fill everybody in mm. in the least gross way I can. Christine okay, Laverne well. Slaughter. Ooh, hell of a name. That's a bad... I mean, yeah. Christine Laverne Slaughter was the youngest child in an unusual family. Her father, Thomas, was 65 years old at the time of her birth, while her mother, Anne, was at the age of 16, still a no. minor. Damn. That's bad. Was impoverished and neglected. And partially due to neglect, she was mentally challenged and suffered from epilepsy. She spent time in various orphanages during her youth. She compensated for her insecurities as a kid and her pent of anger by killing small animals, especially domestic cats, at an early age. Sometimes, in order to test their nine lives, she later justified her actions. Christine would cause the animals to fall from heights. You don't say anything else. I already hate her. Yeah, not a fan of Christine. Can't do that to kitties. In September 1977, the 14-year-old Christine was forced by her parents to marry a 20-year-old man named Goober Falling. No, fucking Falling. (laughs) Falling? I'm going to say Falling. Goober Falling. Wait, you're just going to pass over that name like it's the most normal goddamn thing in the world? No, there's nothing else on Goober though, just that his name was Goober Falling. Who named... Brandon, Goober's one of your favorite words and I've never known anyone that is legally named Goober. And you There's a guy I went to high not... school with named Cooter. All right. Fucking whatever. I'm trying to... I thought you'd be thrilled, but whatever. I, I, guess I, I mean, don't. I read it a long time ago. The thrills worn off. <laughs> the thrills worn off. <laughs> so, uh, yes. 14-year-old Christine was forced to marry a 20-year-old Goober. Goober named Goober Fowling. Uh, but mm-hmm. they started fighting every day and they got divorced after only six well, weeks. that's what fucking happens when you yeah, have an arranged f- marriage with... <laughs> so, after yeah. that divorce, she became seriously ill. She was hospitalized over 50 times in the next two years, suffering from hallucinations. And this has to be something really crazy for them to have mentioned it. It says, she was suffering from hallucinations and menstrual bleeding at irregular levels. Uh, that's not, I mean. I feel like, you know, if someone has a bunch of heavy flow or someone has some like irregularity, it's usually not worth mentioning. The fact that they mentioned it. We need to pause here for a second. Yeah. Do you ever get down on your knees and look up at the skies and thank the good just Lord for not being. That a, I don't bleed at irregular levels. For not being a lady. Like ladies got it. Got, they got it the worst. Yeah. I mean, I think about if I was a woman, I would constantly my entire life in the back of my mind be thinking about how fucking awful giving birth is going to be. Well, you don't have to do it. No, I am. I don't know what my point is, just I feel for my ladies out there. Well, all the single ladies and all the taken ladies. Well, park that shit because catch this. At age 16, mm-hmm. Christine got diagnosed as incapacitated on medical instructions. 
I'm not quite sure what that means, but it seems like she was stamped on the head as being boom, donkey brains. Mm. So, in order to make money, Christine Falling began working as a babysitter for neighbors and friends. In February 19- Yeah, that's what you want to do with donkey brains is let them care for your children while you're not there. Right. Well, it went kind of like you thought it might. In February 1980, two-year-old Cassidy Johnson was diagnosed with meningitis caused by traumatic brain injuries. She died three days later. Christine Falling had been babysitting and claimed that the baby fell from a crib. The doctor didn't believe her and recommended on a police notepad to check Christine out. But the note was lost by the police department and Falling moved away to Lakeland, Florida where another four-year-old died under her care. During that child's funeral, Christine was caring for another two-year-old who then died a few hours later. No. Doctors diagnosing a viral infection. Uh, hang on, is Christine 16 here? No, she is 17 in 1980. Okay. So, she's seven, yeah, she's like 17 years old. So, then she moved back to her hometown of Perry in northern Florida in 1981. She would have been 18 years old. And no one would trust her with their kids. Well, I mean, sorry, Christine. That's kind of what happened. So, she started working as a nursing assistant for seniors. 77-year-old William Swindle died in his kitchen on the same day that Falling started caring for him. In fall of the same year, the daughter of Christine's half-sister, eight-month-old Jennifer Daniels, died. When Christine's half-sister had gone to the supermarket, she left her daughter with Christine for a few moments in the car, during which time the girl stopped breathing. Doctors suspected sudden infant death syndrome to be the cause of death. So, the turning point in this fucking death streak was the death of 10-week-old Travis Coleman, who died on July 2nd, 1982, while Christine was taking care of him in Blountstown. And where? Blountston? Blountstown? Blunt town. Is that like a fucking trampoline park for kids or something? <laughs> Blounts town. Blounts. B-L-O-U-N-T-S town. <laughs> okay. All right. All At right. the autopsy, the doctors found internal injuries that they said could only have been caused by suffocation. When the police contacted Fowling, she confessed to murdering three of the children because she had heard voices telling her, kill the baby. Damn. She suffocated the children with pillows and blankets. She's still alive. She's 57 years old still serving out her life sentence in prison. What was the total victim count there? Sounded like a lot. Just five kids. Okay. I mean, not to state the obvious, but as a parent, you leave your kid with someone, you have to have a certain amount of trust in them to leave your kids with them. I just can't imagine how... Not only the obvious feelings of heartbreak and grief that you would have to find out they were killed or died, but also just the frustration and anger at yourself you'd have for like leaving. It's just, it's got to be a complicated. The first thing you should ask when you're hiring a babysitter is have you ever killed any kids yep. that you were That's babysitting or that you weren't babysitting? I want to know if you have a taste, got, you know, developed a taste for it. Are you parents out there writing this down? Write down these tips. We're giving Good you tips. free advice. Ask your babysitters. Right. Um, but you know, something else you said that stood out to me is that they get, the police lost that note from the doctor that said, check this lady out. Yeah, pretty important note. Doesn't happen these days, huh? I guess it happened, like people lose shit, but now you got technology. So, that's that. Anything else on Florida? Nope. We're ready for another guess. Uh, I'm going to say number two is my birth state of nope. California. You messed up. California is number four on the list. God. I was still right. You're not, but California is still number four on the list. Now, during the serial killer decade of the 1980s, no place was hot, hot hotter mm-hmm. than California where their criminals committed 20% of serial murders nationwide. God damn. California has had 1,507 serial killer murders or 7.81 deaths per million inhabitants. Now, they have several standout serial killers in terms of notoriety. There's Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, the Freeway Killer, that was actually three separate murderers that were classed together as one, the Manson Family, the Zodiac Killer, the Golden State Killer, uh, but the one we're going to talk about for a few minutes here tonight uh, is Ed Kemper, the Co-Ed Killer. 
Edmund Kemper. <sighs> There's a very funny coincidence of us talking about Edmund Kemper today that will become apparent here in a minute. Uh-huh. Go ahead. With telling you about Ed Kemper? Yeah, well, we have a promo later for a podcast that's named after Edmund Kemper. Well, God so. bless. Okay, well, let me get into this. Edmund Kemper, the co-ed killer, aka Bumblebutt, and he... <laughs> and you fucking just... What? Sorry. It's just crazy. The, the podcast we're playing later is called the Bumblebutt Podcast. Yeah, <laughs> he's a Bumblebutt. I know. I just can't believe the odds of us talking about this tonight. So, go yeah, ahead. It's here in my notes, aka Bumble and Bumblebutt is one of those words that Word doesn't recognize and puts a red squiggly under. Yeah. Let's yeah, see what it suggests. Word. Nothing. Oh, wait. Bumblebees. <laughs> Bumblebees, they got Bumblebutts too. <laughs> it's not Bumblebees. He was noted for his large size. He was six feet nine or is six feet nine inches tall, yeah. although he's probably shrank some, right? He's older. That's a big boy. Six foot nine inches uh, and for his high intellect, possessing an IQ of 145. Man, it's almost as high as me. There's some really great podcasts out there on Old Bumblebutt. I'm sure we're going to find out about later. But briefly, this guy, he killed his grandparents at age 15. He did. And he went to jail for only two years. this is years before. Yeah. Yeah. That's a crazy thing. <laughs> you kill your grandparents and you're out in two years. I mean, Isn't I Isn't that every young man's dream? Kill your grandparents? Uh, no comment. And get away with it all, you know, mostly? No comment. In the early 1970s, Kemper began picking up young hitchhikers who were Fresno State students. Eventually, this escalated to killing them and cutting their heads off. Nat- naturally. As one does. Then on some occasions, he had sex with the corpses. Not cool, Edmund. Just before his capture, Ed Kemper killed his mother by smashing her head with a hammer and decapitating her. Did you know that? I did. Are you going to share the most disturbing part of this? I'm going to share some disturb- several disturbing parts. Okay. If you're driving around listening to this and you got kids in the car, you need to drop them off at the police station because you already have <laughs> messed up big time. <laughs> but if they're still listening, just turn it down a little bit. Or do that thing where you turn the sound only to like the speakers in the front and they'll never hear it in the back. Is so that he, a thing? Well, we do have kid size tennis merch for, the, for them though at tennispod.com slash merch. Yeah, I saw that there's a licking machine onesie for a baby. <laughs> Would you put your baby in that? I mean, yeah, of course. Of course. I'd send him to school with that on. <laughs> All right. So, listen, I got to tell you how this uh, serial killer killed his mother. Tell me. He waited for her to fall asleep and then he bludgeoned her with a claw hammer and he, then he slit her throat with a knife. Terrible thing to do. The, extremely unkind. Yeah. Then he decapitated her and engaged in irumatio with her severed head. <sighs> now, irumatio is another word that has a red squiggly line under it. It is active participation in fellatio by the male member. It is aggressive insertion of the penis into a partner's mouth or throat. I get it. It's a $10 word for mouth fucking. Hmm. Face fucker. So, he cut off his mom's head and he did that to her with her severed head. And then he used it I, as a I'm just going to let it go. I'm not going to make any comments on it. Kemper stated that he put her head on a shelf and he screamed at it for an hour, threw darts at it, and ultimately smashed her face in. He also cut out her tongue and her larynx. He put them in a garbage disposal, but the garbage disposal couldn't break down the tough vocal cords and ejected the tissue back into the sink. That seemed appropriate, Kemper later said, as much as she'd bitched and screamed and yelled at me over so many years. He's got a roaster even when after all this. He was found guilty on eight counts of first-degree murder, and he is still serving his sentence. And he's also... A very important character in the Netflix series Mindhunter that we've already mentioned tonight. Yeah. He's fun. He's an interesting, interesting guy. He's uh, layered. That's too bad. I bet there's not a lot of roles for the guy who plays him. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He nailed that role though. Man, he was great. He was really engaging. Just like us. Brandon, you don't seem shook enough that of this coincidence. Is this, th- this is maybe confirmation of a grand designer. 
Why do you assume that this power is held by some third party and not by me? I know every move you're going to make. Okay. Yeah, you're fucking done. So, we got one Alaska, three Florida, four California, five Washington. That means two is Texas. Texas is not in the top seven. Now, that's not, that cannot be right. I know everyone in Texas is a serial killer. They have a lot of one-off gun duels. (laughs) Okay. Colorado. Colorado is not in the top seven. I don't think this is top seven, but I'll mention it because we live there. Oklahoma. No. Virginia. No. I was thinking like DC area. Kansas. Nope. BTK is Kansas. Okay. Running out of states here. Okay. New Mexico. New Mexico is not in the top seven. Arizona. Nope. Utah. uh, Oh, Nevada. Vegas. Nevada is number two on the list. Had to keep you guessing, but I knew it. I have 12.19 serial murders per million inhabitants. They've had 98 serial murders since 1900. 33 of them committed in the 1980s. If I was President Trump, I'd say, hmm, it is what it is. Nevada is also home to one of the highest violent crime rates in the country according to FBI statistics. Some of this may be due to the historic ties to organized crime uh, contributing to the serial murders. They also have a high number of tourists, desperate individuals who are down on their luck, uh, and sex workers that create an ideal pool of victims. Ideal pool of victims. Imagine if you were grouped into the ideal pool of serial killer victims. You got to get out of that pool. You got to get out of that pool. Now, the serial killers that I found out about as part of this, have you ever heard of Gerald and Charlene Gallego? No. They committed some of their most heinous crimes in Nevada. Gerald, this couple, was born in 1946. I feel like this is the most time I've ever said sex workers in an episode. He was born in 1946 to a sex worker mother and a criminal father. His father was actually the first man executed in in a Mississippi gas chamber for killing a cop during a prison escape. Gerald began a criminal career at the age of 13 by sexually abusing a six-year-old girl. He later worked as a bartender and a truck driver. Didn't you say you love truck drivers? (laughs) Well, I just said they're not all awful and terrible people like you said. Well, this is the point against them. Some of them are. Some of them are. He was married a total of seven times, two marriages to the same woman. He was still married to a previous wife when he married Charlene. Now, okay. Charlene Williams Gallego was born in 1956. She's 10 years younger, a smart, shy child from a supportive home. Charlene started using drugs and alcohol as a young adult. She was married twice before meeting Gallego. Uh, they got 10 marriages between them. <laughs> yeah. Just so you know. Is this guy fucking Brad Pitt? Why are so many women marrying him? And one of them got away and then came back. He, he said he married her twice. He actually doesn't look too bad. Charlene would lure young women to a nearby van where they would be abducted, raped, and kept as sex slaves by Gerald before he killed them. Mm. They were. I hate these couple couples that do this shit. Yeah, she like, tried to. She got like a reduced sentence, saying that she was a victim as well. That she that he yeah, had like made her bullshit. do it. It's just like the uh, toy box killer in New Mexico. He. he we don't think, he had a female companion that helped him do this shit too and I'm pretty sure she got off. Yeah, she's full of it. She was helping. She was a sicko. <laughs> yes, that's my point. Yeah, sickos. So, anyway, that's Nevada. Well, Gerald and uh, what's her name, they didn't get away with it, right? No, let's see. I may have missed how they got, uh, how they let's got. Let's learn together. Oh, yeah, the way they got found was not very exciting. A friend of one of their last, so the, the last victims were 22-year-old Craig Miller and his fiance, 21-year-old Mary Elizabeth Sowers. They were leaving a fraternity party in November of 1980 when they were forced into the Gallego's car at gunpoint. Miller, uh, the, the male, he was ordered out of the car and he was shot. His body was found near Bass Lake, California. The couple returned to their apartment with Mary Elizabeth Sowers where Gerald sexually abused her before taking her to a field in Placer County, California where he then executed her. 
So a friend of Miller and Sowers had witnessed their abduction reported the car's license plate number, which is kind of like, I don't know, it's not like, I mean, it's great that they were captured, but it's not like a huge, you know, crack in the case. Someone just happened to see this thing go down. Yeah. Uh, police used that information to track them down and arrest them at a Western Union office. Charlene's parents were in the process of wiring her money. They pled not guilty to charges of kidnapping and murder. Uh, Charlene's attorneys were eventually able to convince prosecutors to allow her to testify against Gerald for a plea deal that reduced her prison sentence 16 years and 8 months. How many years? 18? Yeah. So, she... I can't tell which one they're talking about. It just says Gallego died of cancer in Nevada Prison Medical Center while awaiting execution. Oh, I guess that's got to be him. So, she seems to still be alive in prison. Maybe. Fuck her. No, she completed... Sorry, I'm, I, got, I got this all wrong. In July 1977, Charlene completed her sentence and was released. No. Yeah, in prison, she extensively studied psychology, business, and Icelandic literature. Okay. And then she did an interview saying that she uh, was a victim as well. Yeah, I don't believe it for a second. Anyway, that guy's fucking dead. He died of cancer. Probably ate his ass out. Probably ate his ass out, yeah. So, that's the great state of Nevada. God bless Nevada. You just got numbers six and seven left. Yeah, and I'm going to nail them because I have some good guesses. Uh-huh. You mentioned organized crime in Vegas and that reminded me of the organized crime in Chicago. So, is Illinois in the top seven? Illinois is not. But you got to hand it to me for the guess. That was a good guess. That's also where John Wayne Gacy's from. So, no, good yep. guess. Gacy, let's talk about Dahmer. He's Wisconsin, but I don't think Wisconsin's in no, there, right? No, Wisconsin's not on here. That also has Ed Gein. I'm going to say in the top seven is Michigan. Nope. <clears throat> Pennsylvania. Nope. Ohio. Nope. Louisiana. Louisiana is number seven on the list. I nailed it. I can't be stopped with these guesses. Yeah. I'm just going to nail this whole list. This list only has a matter of time before it's got. You're like Thanos. You are inevitable because <laughs> there's only 50 states. You're eventually... So, anyway... Louisiana, the total number of serial killings in Louisiana stands at 276, or 7.35 per million inhabitants. From 1989 to 2014, Louisiana averaged 13.7 murders per 100,000 inhabitants, which is more than double the national average. Yeah, New Orleans is... Uh, you think of like Mardi Gras, you think of jambalaya, spicy food. Jambalaya. Jambalaya. Think of jazz. You think of getting murdered. Think of getting murdered. I know. If I, if I have a rough day at work and I'm like, fuck it, I think I'm just going to get murdered today. I'll hop on a plane, go to New Orleans, just walk around and eventually I'll get murdered. You ever heard of the Axe Man? Oh yeah, I know the Axe Man. You do? Well, fucking get ready to hear about it again. He's an Axe Man. Do, 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 da, da, do. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> fucking scat, <laughs> I know, man. I know the Axe Man. He's a side character in American Horror Story Season 3, Coven. Oh, well, the Axe Man of New Orleans was a serial killer named by the press in the early 20th century who terrorized New Orleans from 1910 to 1919, breaking into I houses. so long ago. He was breaking into houses and murdering people in their sleep with an axe. It's just not fair to do it that way. It's awesome. No, what? Chop, 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 chop. <laughs> You're an evil bastard. Now listen, the series of attacks, it culminated in a letter that he sent to Louisiana newspapers, supposedly from the axe man himself, claiming he was of otherworldly origin, a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. This letter also stated that another victim would be murdered at 12.15 a.m. on the night of March 19th, 1919, but provided the caveat that the murderer would pass by any home where the residents played jazz. So, just the guy who probably put out a jazz record was like, fucking need to get some jazz off the shelf. But, but why if he's otherworldly, he's from hell, the fuck does he care about jazz? They don't play jazz in hell. Uh, if they don't, I'm going to be really bored down there. Mm. On the night of the 19th, the residents of New Orleans packed every home and danced hall, dance hall with jazz bands. And the night passed with no murders. He committed his final murder in October 1919 before disappearing into the night. No one ever learned the terrifying Axe Man's true identity. See, why, 
That's such an interesting story. And it's definitely not on the level of like a Zodiac killer and what the Axeman. Well, I mean, everyone, even people who have zero interest in true crime, everyone has heard of the Zodiac killer. Whereas even true crime people have barely, if at all, heard of the Axeman. But he was never caught, just like Zodiac. And he may have even had more victims. Yeah. And he dealt with the press. Well, until 2018, the Golden State Killer was not caught either. And I have, I think, yeah. I think there's a definite correlation between being caught and having an end to the story or a complete story of a serial killer and how, you know, popular or well-known they are. And with the one, at least one huge exception being the Zodiac Killer. And uh, Jack the Ripper. Oh, yeah, yeah. Here's another famous or notorious serial killer from Louisiana that I didn't know about. Clementine Barnabet. She was the first female African-American serial killer. She was believed to have been born around 1894 in St. Martinville, Louisiana to Raymond Barnabet and Nina Porter. She also had a brother named Zephyrin, which is a hell of a name. Barnabet's named what? Zephyrin. Okay. It's no uh, goober, but still pretty good. Barna- Zephyrin Barnabet. Clementine Barnabet's father, I guess it would have been Zephyrin's too, uh, Barnabet's father reportedly abused his family. Barnabet's killings followed a consistent pattern. She would often murder entire families rather than one person using an axe for butchering her victims and cutting off their heads. Holy shit. She was doing this at the same time the axe man was doing his axing. Was it in New Orleans? No, she was in other places in Louisiana, near New Orleans. Her first murder occurred in February 1911. Her father, Raymond Barnabet, was awaiting trial, I guess. Oh, so the reading of this was kind of mixed up. It sounds like her father was awaiting trial, possibly for the first murder that she committed. Oh, damn. And while he was awaiting trial, another familicide, which is when you murder a whole family, took place. In November 1911, Norbert and Asima Randall and their four children were murdered in a similar manner to the previous slayings. Eventually, Clementine Barnabet confessed to 35 murders. God damn. She explained her connection to the Church of Sacrifice, an offshoot of Christ's Sanctified Holy Church congregation in Lake Charles, Louisiana. This is like hoodoo voodoo stuff. Clementine claimed that a priestess of the Church of Sacrifice had given her and her friends conjure bags, which are hoodoo items, that would grant them supernatural powers and make them undetectable to the authorities, which it did not. This spurred Barnabas. Did for a while. Yeah, it did for a while. Uh, it's true. Maybe she should have, you know, re-upped. This spurred Barnabas into committing her first murder to test whether or not this was true. At only 18 years old, in October 1912, Clementine Barnabet was sentenced to life in prison at Angola State Penitentiary. In July 1913, she tried to escape jail but was caught. However, in August 1923, so this is 11 years later, when she was 29 years old, Barnabet was released from prison, after which Why? no knowledge exists on her whereabouts. I don't know. Well, she at least didn't kill anyone else. Well, not that we know of. Not that we know of, but I'm going to say maybe she probably did. That's a hell of a story. 35 people and families. It always, it's so interesting. an 18-year-old girl. It's just interesting. It's just what we were saying earlier. How some serial killers like Jeffrey Dahmer and, and it's for good reason. Jeffrey Dahmer was like super unique and cannibal, all that stuff. And then there's other killers that do just as many or worse. No one's heard of them. I've never heard of this woman. No. Never heard of her either. I don't know. It's just weird how it, it's all the it's all media and press that determines that, obviously. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. But I think a lot of it is because back in the old times, newspapers and media didn't want to highlight how shitty and dangerous their city was. No, they wouldn't cover that. Nowadays, it's like doesn't make a good postcard are, for Lake Charles. Yeah, nowadays people want that, and news want to deliver it. So that has a lot to do with it too. All right, you got one left, number six. Yeah. Is it in the South? Nope. Is it Massachusetts? Nope. I was thinking Boston. Is it Minnesota? Nope. Montana? Nope. That can't be it. Georgia? Nope. No, you said not the South. So, New Jersey? Nope. Damn it. Tennessee? Nope. Missouri? Nope. Indiana? Nope. Kentucky? Nope. North Carolina? Nope. Did I say Utah? 
Yes, but nope. Oregon. Yes. <laughs> Got it. Can't hide this list from me. I'm too good. It was really fun to see how fast I could recognize what you were saying and say nope to it. I yeah, Oregon. am the guess master. So, compared to other states, Oregon has a relatively low rate of violent crime per capita. In fact, with 232 violent incidents reported per year for every 100,000 citizens, Oregon is overall one of the least violent states in the country. However, while statistics show Oregon is a generally peaceful place to live, serial killings occur with more frequency per capita in this state than almost anywhere else in the nation. 7.36 mur serial murders per million residents in Oregon. There's another distinction for murders committed in Oregon. While a great majority of serial murderers use firearms, there is a high rate of strangulations in the state of Oregon, with a total of 52 people who died in this manner. So, so how is it so peaceful, a, but then there's so many killers? Somebody who did a little bit of strangulation, fellow goes by the name of Jerry Brudos, mm. serial killer and necrophile. Yeah, I fucking hate Jerry Brudos. You know what a necrophile is? It's not good. Murdered at least four women in 1968 and 1969, Jerry Brudos had a fetish for women's high-heeled shoes. He cut off body parts of ladies and he kept them for trophies. Like he had a, a boob filled with sand that he used for a paperweight. And you know, he kept all this in his, it's his garage, right? Yeah, in his nasty little shed. He had a garage or shed that was like his man cave and he kept it locked and he lived with a wife and I don't know if they had kids or not, but... Don't ever go in there. Yeah. If you... Listen to me. I'm giving you advice right now, all the listeners out there. If you are living with a, the husband or wife, there's a part of your own home that you live in that you're not allowed to go to, that is Get a that, red flag. Get in that place now. That is Get a red flag. Immediately. Every time. Sorry. It's just yeah, like... You got to get in there. You yeah. got to look around. It's just like you don't let people in your hot dog room. <laughs> Why does that room stink so bad? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what else he did here. Uh, he dressed in high heels and uh, jerked off after he committed a murder. Yes. Oregon was also home to Randall Woodfield. You ever heard of this guy? No, not ringing a bell. Some might know him as the I-5 killer. He was dubbed that by the media. You may also know him as 1974 NFL, NFL Green Bay Packers wide receiver. Ah, uh, he's a serial killer? When he was in high school, he got arrested for decent exposure. And despite that, he went on to be drafted by the NFL in 1974 to play wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers. This goes to show you can whip your dick out, and if you're still good at football, Make all those problems go away. But he got cut from the team during training after a series of, what? You guessed it, indecent exposure arrests. Mm. He could not fucking stop. He couldn't keep his dick in his pants well, at all. And nowadays, if that happens, you become a successful Hollywood uh, actor or talk show host. Now you're just Brett Favre. So, in 1975, he's back home, whipping his dick out all over the place began a string of robberies and sexual assaults on women in Portland before moving on to commit multiple murders in cities along the I-5 corridor in Washington, California, and Oregon. The one I really wanted to tell you about today, actually, I don't have a whole ton on this. I just liked the name. Have you ever heard of Dayton Leroy Rogers? It's a hell of a name, but no. Well, this isn't the name I was excited about, but Dayton Leroy Rogers uh, it was currently on Oregon's death row waiting to get killed yeah. uh, because he uh, committed six murders. He's tied to the six murders of seven women. He's guilty, I guess, of six of them. Uh, he preferred street women. Those are whores or sex uh, workers. Thank you. Can you say whores? Uh, Is we're there not going to. Whore? I don't know, but we're not going to because I'm, I'm erring on the side of caution. We're a very politically correct podcast. All right, hookers. It's Sex hookers workers. Bad. What's wrong with the same phrase you've been using the entire show so far? Well, this says street women and street women is defined more liberally. So, let me say, let me say he likes street women, usually addicts, sex workers, and runaways. And there might be some overlap between them. But anyway, this guy Rogers, 
he had sex with him and murdered him. Oh. And then he put him in a dump site located in a privately owned forest land outside Malala, Oregon. So, he was called the Malala Forest Murderer. Sorry, were you just speaking in tongues there for a second? Malala. You were, you were in the middle of telling me where he's from. It sounds like a fairy tale type place, but it's not. I mean, let's- Fairy if, tale for, for a serial killer. That's a shitty fairy tale. So, that's that. Those are the states with the most serial killers. And if you're a Green Bay Packer, you're a serial killer. Well, this guy was. I mean, if- I don't know. A white wide receiver is a little odd. Wow. Hot take? Especially one that's been whipping his dick out all the time. Yeah. So, the states with the most serial killers, once again, number seven was Louisiana, home to the Axeman and Clementine. How did I say that? I don't know. I don't remember. Barnabet. I'm an Axeman. Number, number six was Oregon. Number five was Washington. Number four, California. Number three, Florida. Number two, Nevada. And the number one state, the most serial killers per capita. Whew, way too many. Probably one is too many. Alaska. Alaska. Now, was this the last Spooktober podcast or is there one more spooky one to come? There's one more. Well. Is that okay? I've primed the pump. Now, you got you to gotta spook us over the finish line. Well, I already know what I'm going to do. And it's a good one. But it's also one that uh, non-spook lovers can enjoy too. You'll see what I mean. But yeah, I guess I'm never visiting any state in the United States ever again. You need to keep your ass put where you are. I need to go to Canada. Any Canadians out there can help me get in. Hit me up. Send me a DM. Uh, Well, I feel like after all the rape, murder, torture, chopped off heads, family aside, what's the term for... A severed head blowing you like Ed Kemper. Irumatio. And all the irumatio we've had tonight, I feel like we need a palate cleanser. Would you agree? Yeah. We're going to cleanse the fuck out of our palates right now with some podcast reviews. First up from Dylan H36 on Apple Podcast. Listening to this podcast reminds me of all the fun times I had sitting around with my friends comparing and arguing about all the things we love. These guys clearly get along. Hmm. These guys clearly get along and have fun. Just a couple of fun boys? I'm just, I'm just letting it linger. These guys clearly get along and have fun doing what they're doing and I absolutely appreciate the quality of the content they are putting out after several years. A couple of points here. Number one, it's fucked up that we've been doing this for several years but it's true. Secondly, do we get along and do we have fun? Brandon, you first. Hell yeah. All right. Hell yeah. I'm having a good time. I'm having a great time. Uh, thank you, Dylan. And now from Devin, I have been loving listening through both new episodes and the huge backlog of content would definitely recommend including to other podcast makers. It's a great inspiration. We're inspiring people, Brandon. We're inspiring creators. Oh, to create? Not to... You talking about in, in ratio or whatever the fuck Yeah, not is to... inspiring people. You know, I think what's really inspiring people is my Axeman song. Should I do it again? Nope, don't do that. I'm an we'll axe man. If you want me to read your review on this show, go to Apple Podcasts or podchaser.com. Write a review. Brandon, from one bumble butt to another. <laughs> uh-huh. This has been fun. And uh, what else is fun is following our asses on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at the Nick Amel. Uh, the Nick E-M-E-L. Brandon, how do they follow you? You can follow me on Twitter at PsychicHost. It's a great way to get one tweet every three or four months. Another place you can follow us is at TennisPod, 10ISHPOD. You can follow us at that same handle on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And now we've relaunched YouTube. So go to YouTube.com, search for Tennis Podcast, hit that subscribe button. You can listen to full episodes categorized by topic. And next week we'll be back with the final episode of Spooktober 2020 to get through the worst fucking October of the worst fucking year of my life. And uh, I'll have a list for you for episode 105. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.